live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Jimmy Butler Day for all you bitches out there. Right, that's not something that he said yesterday, but that is something that he said previously. Alvin, just in case they missed it, this was Jimmy Butler declaring it Jimmy Butler Day back in the day while drinking a glass of wine. Jimmy Butler Day for all you bitches out there. Man, that is so amazing. Damn right. Damn right, big face. Let him know. Let him know. What that was actually was Buckets, a.k.a. number 22, celebrating 2-22-22 last February, where he famously deemed it, quote, bleeping Jimmy Butler Day on Instagram. Jimmy Butler Day for all you bitches out there. That is so incredible for all you bitches out there. It is so incredible. So incredible, I'd like to hear that one more time, Alvin. Jimmy Butler Day for all you bitches out there. This dude. Man, I cannot get enough of this dude. I cannot get enough of this dude. Bleeping Jimmy Butler Day for all you bitches in here in the jungle. Or maybe I should be calling it bleeping playoff Jimmy Butler Day because playoff Jimmy playoff Jimmy is absolutely a thing no matter what he says and not just a thing but the best thing going in the association no matter how hard he tries or how much he tries to deny it I hate to start off bleeping Jimmy Butler Day by calling BS on the man himself but I have to Because after he poured in 56 on Monday night in Game 4, he actually tried to sell us on this notion that playoff Jimmy is not a thing. That playoff Jimmy does not actually exist. Two quick questions, Jimmy. You've denied it before, but is playoff Jimmy a thing? Are you ready to... It's not a thing. It's not. I just just be hooping. I mean, dude, the last thing I want to do is get on the wrong side of you. The last thing I want to do is disagree with you, but dude, it absolutely is a thing. And it's one of the best things. Playoff Jimmy is definitely a thing, and it pretty much is the best thing. I said it yesterday. I'll say it again right now. Regular season Jimmy is a great player. Playoff Jimmy is a superstar. Playoff Jimmy is like a top 10 player all time. Playoff Jimmy is currently leading the playoffs in scoring with over 37 points a pop. Playoff Jimmy just became the first member of the Miami Heat to score 40 in back-to-back playoff games. You heard me correctly. No Miami Heat player had ever done that before. Not LeBron. Not D-Wade. Not Shaq. Not Zoe. Definitely not Zoe. Not Bosh. None of them had ever pulled that off. But playoff buckets just did. And last night, playoff buckets somehow followed up that 56-point supernova on Monday with another absolute all-time classic performance. 42 more points last night. Yet another double-digit fourth-quarter comeback. And one of the single greatest game-time buckets you are ever going to see on the big stage. Game is stepping as far back as he can with 3-4 in his face. Jimmy to the rim. The catch put up. It's in! He caught it and made it while he was straight inbound. Giannis 
It's done with regulation. We're tied at 118 for one reason only. Jim gets buckets. But playoff Jimmy isn't a thing. The hell it's not. I'll just be hooping. This dude. I've watched that play 40 times, and I still can't understand how it even went down or how he even did that, other than to say it's bleeping playoff Jimmy. And when it comes to playoff Jimmy, anything is possible. So not only am I in disagreement with him about playoff Jimmy being a thing, it is a thing, one of the best things. I'm not even sure that's giving that guy enough credit, playoff Jimmy. He may as well just start being known as Hemi Butler. Because if anyone anywhere is him, it's buckets in playoff mode. And of course, Hemi Butler was not going to lose that game in OT. He was not going to let them lose that game once he got it to OT. Once that falling one-handed miracle went down, everybody knew it was lights out for the Bucks. Buckets and the rest of the Heat went in for the kill. They saw the blood in the water. And then Himmy was still feeling murderous when he met with the media after the game. Hold up first, Alvy. This also is incredible. You may not think it's as incredible as I do, but this moment here with the media is also Himmy-esque. Why does it say about this team that you were sitting here now having defeated the number one seed, getting ready for national television at Madison Square Garden on Saturday? Don't we play on Sunday? Sunday, I'm sorry. Look at you. Do your job. (laughs) Incredible. Buckets keeping everybody in the arena on notice, even after the game and the series were already over. Yo, Jerno. Don't step to me like that. Step your game up. You're speaking to bleeping playoff Hemi Butler. Don't be crawling up into the den of a lion, all lackadaisical and sloppy and unprepared. You're going to get your head ripped off. Ordinarily, I don't have time for athletes bullying the media for doing their job. But that's not what happened here. In fact, that's the opposite of what happened here, which is why Buckets told this dude, and I quote, look at you. Do your job. Look at you. Do your job. Hey, wait. Don't we play on Sunday? Look at you. Look at you. Do your job. Do your job. That's incredible. Like, I'm not even kidding. I'm a member of the media, and I laughed out loud when I saw that. Look at you. Do your job (laughs) is an incredible line. Because this dude is an absolute legend. And of all the incredible things that playoff Hemi has pulled off so far, that one's got to be the most impressive and shocking one to date, which is why today is, in fact, bleeping Jimmy Butler Day in the Jungle. Even if he doesn't want it, and even if he thinks that such a thing does not exist, he earned it, he earned it, and then some. I'll just be hooping. Now, now that I've been clear about that, Look at you. Do your job. There is a flip side to all of this playoff Jimmy, playoff glory. And in this case, the flip side is Buck's misery. Wisco, 
even though we were kind of going back and forth yesterday about Aaron Rodgers, and we'll get out later on. Wisco, you know I love you. So you know I'm feeling for you this morning. Because what happened in this series is nothing short of a complete and total disaster. It's a catastrophe. It's a Bucks team that had the best record in the NBA this year. A Bucks team that was the Vegas favorite to lift the Larry O heading into the postseason. A Bucks team that held double-digit fourth-quarter leads in both games four and five, and yet somehow lost both those games. There is no other or better way to put it than to describe this season as a failure. A massive failure. Which is why I have no problem with Giannis being asked after the game if this season was a failure. Now this also, before I play this, is also another polarizing debate. Some people think that this was one of the coolest things ever, what he said. I think he is one of the coolest dudes ever. I do. I think Giannis is one of the best players I've ever seen. I think Giannis is one of the best dudes I've ever seen. I think Giannis is one of the classiest guys I've ever seen. I think Giannis is one of the most well-spoken people I've ever seen. And this response actually is extremely classy. However, however, I do not agree with it. Let me play this and let's get into this. Do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every, every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able, I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success, you know? And if you've never, I don't, know, I don't, want, to, I don't want to make it personal. So there's always steps to it, you know? Um, Michael Jordan played 15 years. Won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? no I mean, I don't so, no. Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Some other other people's gonna win. And this year somebody else is gonna win. U.S. Cellular is introducing us mode. You know, it's kind of like airplane mode, but for people. It's a way to set up your phone so it does not get in the way of people really being with each other. Block distractions. Make way for real connections. Give it a try. Visit U.S. Cellular in-store or online, and they'll help set up your phone to us mode. Free. Even if you're not a customer, built for superior 5G connection and real human connection, U.S. Cellular, built for us. Find out more at uscellular.com slash find us. All right, so again, I stand by what I said. He is about the classiest, most likable superstar I've ever seen. He is. Two things that are wrong about that argument. When he said, ask Michael Jordan. Do you think, what would he say if you asked him if it was a failure in all those other years where he didn't finish and didn't win a championship? Actually, Giannis, I think Mike would say it's a failure. And number two, when Giannis says, quote, there is no failure in sports. There's no failure in sports. That's actually not right. 
That's not accurate. You know, as a life response, as a life response, that was great. As a basketball or sporting response, I hate to say this, Giannis, but it's kind of nonsense. Granted, not as nonsensical as LaFib's answer to the same question last year. But, you know, really, in this case, what Giannis did was just give us a super classy, non-baggy, ultra-likable, super-intelligent version of the season was not a failure at all. I mean, it's not a failure at all. Listen, if you have the best record in the NBA and you are the betting favorite to win the entire thing and you have the alleged MVP on your team and you lose to a shorthanded eight seed from the play-in tournament in five games, that's a failure. I'm not saying that every season that doesn't end in a Larry O is a failure. I'm just saying the seasons where you have Larry O expectations and you're the number one seed overall, and then you fall on your face in five games in the first round to a team that was in the play-in and they're banged up and they're an eight, that's a failure. That most definitely is a failure. I mean, my dude, no number one seed has lost an opening round series in over a decade. The Bucs are only the sixth team to ever blow it this badly. No playing team had even won a playoff series yet. So it's outrageous that the Bucs lost, and they lost in five games. And lost the way they lost last night with an enormous lead in the fourth quarter, in their own house, in an elimination game. That's a failure. It is. That was literally the biggest fourth quarter comeback in a series clinching game in NBA playoff history last night. They led by 16 going into the fourth quarter at home. With their season on the line, and they somehow lost with their season on the line. And the biggest way you'll be able to tell that that was a failure is from the heads that will roll as a result of that failure. Because heads will definitely roll. I'm not calling for it. I'm not wishing for anybody to get fired. But somebody's getting fired over that. So Giannis, I mean, again, as classy a superstar as you will ever, 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 ever meet. I hate to do it. I hate to say it. That was a failure. A major failure. And I hate to do this too, but my man, you weren't even the best player in the series. You're supposed to be the best player in the league. I understand you're a little banged up, but who isn't at this point of the year? Jimmy Butler was the best player in the series, which is why this is bleeping Jimmy Butler Day in the jungle. Jimmy Butler Day for all you bitches out there. And maybe the best part of all is what comes next. A.K.A. Knicks, Heat, bleeping playoff Jimmy, taking on tens of thousands of screening, screaming maniacs and lunatics. It's going to be shades of the late 90s all over again. Hopefully just as out of control now as it was then. Can't freaking wait for Sunday. 
And listen, one more thing about Giannis. Absolutely, he was frustrated. Absolutely. It is never easy to sit up there and answer questions like that. And especially when deep down he's got to know. You know, that he was frustrated. I understand that. But it was a failure. I mean, Giannis says, quote, there is no failure in sports. That's There's what no he said. There's no failure in sports. And not only was that not a failure, but there is no failure in sports. There's no failure in sports. There's no failure in sports is like a distant cousin of Dwight Howard's I'm still a champion. No matter how the season ends, you know, I'm still a champion. I won't let anybody tell me anything different. No matter how the season ends, I'm still a champion? No matter how the season ends, you know, I'm still a champion. I won't let anybody tell me anything different. Right, and no matter that I've never played football on any level, I'm in the Football Hall of Fame, no matter what anybody says. No matter how the season ends, you know, I'm still a champion. I won't let anybody tell me anything different. Come on, man. Like your stepbrother's wife's nephew from your dad's first marriage, right? I mean, I hate to say this. You need more evidence that that was a failure? Nothing says failure more than the Bucks' last possession in OT. Giannis has it. Get it to Middleton. Two-point game. Butler steps in front. Middleton. Allen has it. Down the lane. He's got out of time. The Bucks don't get out the shot. Oh and the Miami Heat become the sixth in NBA history to win as an eighth seed in the first round. And time runs out on Grayson Allen, Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, nothing says failure like game on the line, series on the line, legacies on the line, and it's Grayson Allen time? And he has no awareness of the clock? All of that on the line and with the ball in his hands and Grayson Allen doesn't even get up a shot. I mean... Giannis, my guy, love you. Absolutely love you. Everything about you. Well, except that answer, but take as much time as you need, my dude. Whenever you feel you're ready. And Grayson, you too, by the way. Dude, you really should take your time. I mean, the shot clock does not apply to you. That's pretty clear. Whenever you feel like you're ready, Grayson, go ahead and put that ball up. Whenever you feel like it's time and you're in a good spot and you have a good look, Let it fly, man. Take all the time you need, dude. Tonight, tomorrow, next week. However much time you need, dude. Not much going on here. I mean, dang. Bucks DJ should have hit the prices right fail horn instead. Allen has it. Down the lane. Grayson, don't ever let anybody tell you that shot clock is going to hit zero. Grayson, don't ever let anybody tell you that you're not a champion. Grayson, that red light that illuminates the backboard, that does not apply to you, dude. That's for everybody else on the floor. Your light's green. You take all the time you need, dude. You take all the time you need. You want to reset? You want 24 more? You got it, bro. Any old time you want to get that shot up, dude. Wild night. Wild game. Wild, wild game. It, listen, it, if LeBron's saying it's not a failure... I mean, it's not a failure at all. ...is a failure, 
I hate to say it, but the Bucks going down the way they did in the first round in five games as a one to an eight and blowing two double-digit leads in games four and five, that's also a failure, no matter how classy Giannis is in trying to make a convincing argument. He's just a hell of a lot classier and more and more convincing in his argument than LeCap was. There's no failure in sports. But there is, though. That's why there's a scoreboard. Somebody does win, somebody does lose, and you can fail. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of... Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? I'm speaking of Daniel Jeremiah, DJ, on a day like this. I appreciate you more than ever. It is great to have you on. DJ, how are you? Jim, you are the best. I uh, appreciate the kind words, man. Uh, this is a tradition I always look forward to catching up with you on uh, on draft day. My man, I, I sincerely mean this. I do not take this lightly. Thank you so much for making time. We're finally here. I mean, DJ, after all the months, all the preparation, all the study, all the breaking down, all the film, how does it feel to finally be here? What's your vibe right now? Well, I think it's uh, it's going to be nuts. Um, you know, when you think about this role, you know, you're, you're rooting for two things when it comes to drafts. I've learned this in the 11 years I've been on the dark side here uh, with the media is when you're covering this event, you want quarterbacks and you want chaos, Jim. And we are going to have both tonight. I love it. All right. So in your opinion, when you talk about quarterbacks, when you look at this class, do you see a franchise quarterback among the best in this class? I do. I think we've got a chance. You know, I, I really do. I, I think Bryce is going to be that guy. You know, I know the, the frame is an issue and, and people worry about that, and I can't refute those concerns. They're, they're legit concerns. But as a player, I have no doubts about him and how he'll translate. Um, if you were to cover up the names with his name and Joe Burrow's name and, and the size, obviously, and just look at the notes as players and their final year of college, it's going to read very similarly. Um, and obviously we've seen how well Joe has translated to the next level. I think Bryce, he's going to be fine. He's going to be a really good player. And then, you know, Stroud to me has the tools that you need to be successful. Um, I think I've, you know, I've seen this guy operate within the pocket and, uh, and make every type of throw you need to make. So I think he's, he's got a chance to be one of those. Obviously I have Bryce as the top guy. And then we've got wild cards. You got three wild cards, you know, with these next three guys with, with Richardson, the, the, the upside's ridiculous, but he's got to go to the right spot where they can really figure out how to develop him in the right in the right plan. And Levis is is skilled. Um, again, it's a roller coaster ride when you watch him. And then Hooker, 
he's been uh, he's been awesome. But you've got to navigate around the age, the offense he played in, and the injuries coming off of. So those are the real wild cards. Daniel Jeremiah joining us. A lot of stuff there that I could react to. DJ, what about Stroud? Like I spent a little bit of time with him at Super Bowl. You know, tape aside, I, I love the guy. I love the time that I spent with him. I thought he came off extremely well. What about that S two score? Does that S two score in that 18th percentile change the way you view him in any way? Is that a red flag to you? Look, I, the way I look at that stuff, Jim, is if, you know, in a perfect world, you'd have somebody ace every single part of the process, right? You know, oh, they played great on tape. You know, they were a great interview. Um, you know, they did well on all the physical testing. They crushed all of our psychological testing. They crushed this, you know, these cognitive tests. But, like, the, there's so few guys that check every single one of those boxes. And, I would be concerned about it, you know, more so if I looked back at my notes and I saw some evidence of that, some traces that would, would raise some flags like, oh, wow, this reinforces that little concern that I had. And, and they didn't exist on the tape. So that gives me a little more comfort. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're turning the card in, would you like every box to, you know, to be checked? Yeah, but it just that doesn't happen, man. Daniel Jeremiah joining us, I agree with you. I'm not saying that it's nothing, but I don't think it's necessarily a fatal flaw. What about, DJ, the speculation? There's a lot of speculation regarding the second pick. What do you think Houston does with that pick? Um, is it a good thing for analysts to say I have no freaking idea what the heck they're <laughs> going to do with the second right? pick? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I've heard so many different things. You, you get – on one phone call or one text and it's one thing and another one is the opposite. So the two names that I've heard come up more than any other with them in the last few days, you know, has been, if they're going to take a quarterback at CJ Stroud, uh, if not him, then probably going to put it in the fairway uh, with Will Anderson, who's one of the cleanest, safest players in the draft. He's really, really, uh, really good players, a top defensive player, you know, when you factor in everything. So that's why my last mock draft, Jim, I was like, well, shoot, I've got the keys to the car. Let's uh, let's go ahead and give them both of them. They can trade back up from 12 to 3. They get the quarterback. They get the defensive lineman. That would work out pretty well. Daniel Jeremiah joining us. Then they get those go-to playmakers on both sides of the ball, which brings us to the Colts at number four. So a lot of smoke regarding the Colts and Will Levis. Do you believe that, and do you see them taking him in that spot? Well, it's – it's been everywhere. Like everybody you talk to in the league has connected Will Levis to the Colts. So we're going to find out if Indy has a, has a kind of a leaky building, or we're going to find out that they're the best poker players in the national football league. So I guess we'll, we'll find that out tonight, but um, it seems to be universal when you talk to folks around the league, GMs, coaches, they're all like, well, you know, I think you can, you can lock Levis into the Colts. That's their guy. So we'll find out tonight what their, uh, whether or not that was accurate. You know, you mentioned Hendon Hooker. When you look at him, the age and the torn ACL in November, how do you project him? I mean, could we see five quarterbacks go in the first round, or is that too many? It's a lot, right? That's a big number. Huge. Um, but I, I, I think it's I think it's possible. You know, it's tough to put a percentage on that one. I, I like him a lot as a player. I thought when I finished up the tape, he was, you know, he's somebody, okay, man, I'll take a, I'll take a shot on him in the second round. To be honest, it's the same – the same feeling I had on Jalen Hurts coming out, which was, hey, you know, I, Jalen Hurts is my 50th player. Um, and then you look at Hooker, I have him a few spots higher than that. But I thought, okay, I believe in the kid. I believe in Jalen Hurts, the kid. He's got some, you know, there's some growth he needed to take, you know, some steps he needed to take through the process to get to where he was and where he is right now. 
But when you believe in the kid, it makes it easier there. And obviously, it was a home run pick for the Eagles. I think that Hooker is in this draft kind of what Hurts was in that one. Um, so I, I believe in him. I think there's a you know there's a shot for him to go in the first round. But man, you you hit it five such a big number. Uh, that's why at the end I said, you know what, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna love this dude in the second round. I think you're right. Daniel Jeremiah joining us for a few more moments. You know, when you and I spoke heading into the scouting combine, Georgia D lineman Jalen Carter had positioned himself as a top five pick. That, of course, was impacted when he was booked on that misdemeanor charge in March for his role in a car crash, and that led to a no contest plea. What's his outlook tonight? Uh, you know, Jim, again, it's kind of the theme of the draft. There's a, there's unknown there. I, I put him to Seattle. I know there's been a lot of talk about Seattle. Um you know, you can make a, uh, you know, a case that it's such a great fit as a player. You know, if they're comfortable with the person as a player, I mean, you can trace the roots back, right? I mean, Pete Carroll, his mentor was Monty Kiffin. Monty had Warren Sapp from Apopka High School. Now you get all these years later, Pete Carroll uh, goes and gets Jalen Carter from Apopka High School and, and just gets a disruptor to put in the middle of their defense. So I think that makes a lot of sense as a football player, you know, provided they're comfortable with the person. But Everybody in the league seems to think five, six, or nine. So you've got the Lions at six. Um, you've got the Bears at nine. It seems to be those are the three landing spots for Jalen Carter. Tonight. All right, so before you go, DJ, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Uh, I have not done a very good job of hiding the fact that I love B. John Robinson. I just love the guy. <laughs> I love everything about the guy, dude. I love, I love him on the field. I love him off the field. But we know the way the league values running backs right now. I asked him on this show, in fact, recently, what would you tell a team if they said, why should we draft you in the first round? He said, because I'm not just a running back. I am a game changer. Is he and is he a first-round pick in your mind? Well, he's my third overall player. I think he's a first-round pick all day, every day. And, you know, what I've lobbied, Jim, is that we all try and we all try and get together, hammer this thing out. We rebrand the position for guys like Bijan Robinson. We call them offensive weapons, OWs instead of RBs. We sell the fact that a guy like Debo Samuel majors is a, is a wide out minors is a running back. We're just doing the, you know, the reverse of that here. You got Bijan who majors is a running back, but minors is a receiver. And let's, Let's get him out of that clump, out of that category of a three yards and a cloud of dust dude. I love that response, and that's effectively what he said when he said, I'm a game changer. So one last thought, what about the wide receivers? It's an outstanding draft class for wide receivers. USC's Jordan Addison for one. How many wideouts do you think might go in the first round? I think, you know, for all this talk we've had about this wide receiver group not being what we've had recently, you know, a little bit of a drop-off from previous years, there is a lot of hungry teams uh, out there for wideouts. So I think there's a chance to see a handful of these guys go in the first round, um, you know, maybe more than any of us anticipated originally. Um, and, Jim, to be honest with you, I kind of attribute that to the, you know, kind of the Mahomes doctrine, which is let's just give up trying to stop that freaking dude. Let's just go get as much offense as we can and try and see if we can score with him. NFL Network is going to provide live coverage of the 2023 NFL Draft in Kansas City. It gets underway at 8 p.m. Eastern. DJ, on the biggest day of the year, I can't say how much I appreciate you and always making time for the jungle and for us. Man, you are the absolute best. Thank you so much for that. No, we go back a long ways, Jim, and uh, I always appreciate the time we get to spend with each other. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learn to snowboard 
also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. So what we've known for months was finally confirmed earlier this week, and it became officially official yesterday. Aaron Rodgers is going to play for the Jets. It really is a thing. It's happening. He really did show up to one Jets drive in Florham Park in Jersey yesterday. He really did hold up a green number eight Jets uniform with his name on the back. And he really did finally sit down to field questions from that big, bad, mean New York media. Those meanies. Ooh. Except not really. Not for Aaron. My dude nailed it. I thought that he could not have shown up any better, honestly, or looked any happier, honestly. When was the last time you saw that dude that happy? I don't think he stopped grinning ear to ear the entire time that he was in that facility yesterday. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen anybody so happy to be a Jet. Scan your hard drives mentally. Think of the happiest New York Jet that you've ever seen in your life. Think of any Jet who's ever been happy for more than 10 minutes. Even that's hard. That guy, maybe. Seriously, has there ever been anybody that happy to be a Jet? Everything about yesterday had to make Jet fan feel so great about the situation. A situation that Jet fan already felt pretty damn good about. But none of the quotes that Aaron dropped yesterday were better than this one for NYJ fan. Quote, this isn't a one and done. In my mind, this is a commitment. End of quote. Those words right there are like stairway to heaven to Jet fan ears. He made it clear that he wasn't promising anything and is only focused on this season. However, he also made it clear that he's not thinking or approaching this as one and done. And that would be the best possible news that could have come out of yesterday. Because while this dude clearly is year to year, I'm pretty sure the Jets don't make that deal if they know, if they know he's one and done. I know they're thirsty as hell. I know they're desperate. And I know they think that they're a quarterback away from winning it all this year, but I'm not sure they make that deal if they know deep down that it's a one-off. And barring a catastrophe, I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to do everything in his power to make sure that it's not a one-year thing. So then you have the question of, all right, that sounds good, but where is this guy at mentally? What kind of headspace? Where is his head? I mean, remember, it was only a couple of months back that he himself said he was 90% sure he was going to retire. And then he headed off into a sealed-off, 300-square-foot, partially underground, and completely dark room to think about his future. And then he comes out, and seemingly everything changed. Listening to him yesterday, he sounds focused He sounds hungry. He sounds motivated. He sounds energized. He sounds rejuvenated. Tell me I'm wrong when you hear this. I'm very self-motivated, and I can find different ways to get that extra little inspiration all the time. Uh, It's When you get older, it's fun to to go out and prove it each year that you can still do it, and that's enough motivation I think that I need. Um, But 
this was a big draw because of the people you see on stage here, obviously Coach Hackett, um, the opportunity to be a part of a city that's hungry, that, that's a, a team, an incredible fan base that's hungry to win again, uh, 12 years without the playoff, uh, not, you know, Super Bowl wins and Super Bowl three. It's been a long time. So the opportunity to be a part of something special here, uh, it's different. You know, it's similar to Green Bay in that way. When you win in a city like Green Bay, well, I assume for a team like the New York Jets, you go down in history and there's something special about adding that to your legacy. All right. So 90% retired or 100% all in. I don't know about you, but that comes across as a dude who is all in. He sounded very convincing to me. That did not sound like a guy who was saying things that he thought people wanted to hear. That sounds to me like a guy who believes what he's saying. Jet fan ate that up. Jet fan came away feeling even better, even more ecstatic than they already were. And I can't blame Jet fan. The guy came across great. Now, granted, winning a presser gets you nothing. In fact, it gets you less than nothing. But he dominated that presser. The only people who don't think that Aaron came across great are some of my Wisco brothers and sisters who just can't quite get over the old whole who ghosted whom thing. Who really deserves to blame in the alleged game of phone tag that allegedly led to the big breakup? And Aaron addressed that as well. And that just got Packer fan all red-assed on social media all over again. The question being, Aaron, why didn't you return the Packers phone calls? What about that, Aaron? Um, I will say people that know me, uh, I'm fortunate to live in a, in a beautiful house. The only downside is I have very limited cell service. So if you want to get a hold of me, I have to see your face. You got to FaceTime me. Uh, so the only response to, to the communication thing is there's you know records in your phone about who called you, when, FaceTime. And there wasn't any specific FaceTimes from any of those numbers that I was looking at. Um, that's neither here nor there because we're now we're at this position. Um, obviously, that's somehow, you know, what uh, the direction they wanted to go as far as they couldn't, the story, they couldn't get a hold of me, which led for this to, to be the case. My point was if, if there was a change that wanted to be made, uh, why wasn't that told to me early in the offseason? Now, obviously, my future was undecided at that time. I didn't know if I wanted to keep playing. I wanted to go into my darkness retreat and and sit with it and contemplate. Um, but when I came out, it was evident that uh, it was uh, retire or move on to a new team. It's kind of like some wick stuff right there. I'm guessing I'm back. When I went into that basement, I was 90% retired, but then I came out and I found out they didn't want me. I'm guessing I'm back. Listen, I don't know what happened. I don't know if the Packers front office tried to reach him on a regular call or a text or a FaceTime or a Zoom or a Skype or a WhatsApp or a G-chat or a Facebook message or an Instagram DM or Snapface. I don't know and I don't care. Why would I care? Why does anybody care? Why does that even matter at all right now? Everybody getting all red-assed and all bent about that is missing the point. Point being, 
Everybody got what they wanted here. Folks, the Packers made up their mind on all of this years ago. So this whole nonsense about, we tried to call him, he didn't pick up. Yeah, but you made up your mind years ago, the second that they sent in that Jordan Love draft card, they had made up their mind. This wasn't about this offseason and he won't pick up. You made up your mind the second you drafted that guy and you didn't tell him. And that's fine. This is my point. It's fine. It was time for both to move on. It was time for the Packers to move on. It was time for the Packers to find out if they have anything in Jordan Love. Clearly, Aaron was ready to move on as well. And from the looks and sounds of things yesterday, a new challenge in a new city with a new organization was exactly what that guy needed. The Packers clearly had had enough of Aaron and the drama. So why do we care who ghosted whom? Who the hell cares who FaceTimed who, who slid into whose DMs, or who ghosted who, or whatever? It's done. It's over. Both sides have already moved on, so why can't the rest of you who won't let it die move on as well? It doesn't matter. Who the hell cares? Don't you have anything better to do? They both have moved on. So in terms of his performance yesterday, I liked everything about it. I liked everything about it except for one thing. And I'm not even saying that I don't like that one thing. I'm saying that I'm not sure I understand that one thing. Now, I know you clones are all over it, so why don't we address this too? Aaron's response to the entire Zach Wilson quote, I'm going to make that dude's life a living hell in practice thing. Yeah, I'm going to make that dude's life hell in practice every day. <laughs> of course, that was long before he realized that that dude was that dude. It was him. It was Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron knew that would come up. So Aaron's reaction to that was, quote, he's going to make my life hell in practice, and I'm going to make his life heaven off the field. Yeah, so my first reaction is, uh, okay, whatever the hell that means. Whatever the hell that means. What? But then I thought about it for a minute, and this is only going to aggravate y'all who are here to hate Aaron even more when I tell you what I think that means. I don't know for certain. I have not spoken to Aaron about this. But I don't think that means he's going to teach the Coog Hunter how to get all groovy and psychedelic with it. Because I know a lot of you are saying that's what he means. I don't think that's what that means. You know what I think it meant? This is what I think that means. I think it means he actually likes the dude. He does. As hard as that might be for you to believe. What? I think, yeah, I know. I think that Aaron does like the Coog Hunter. And on top of that, something that he's been accused of, because it was done to him when the old gunslinger wouldn't go away, Brett Favre didn't do a damn thing to help Aaron back in the day. So naturally, a lot of you are going to say, Aaron's not going to do a damn thing to help anybody else. I don't buy that. I think that he actually likes the Coog Hunter. And wait for it. I think that he's going to teach him how to, are you ready? Play quarterback. Yeah, I said it. What I'm saying is that what? that kind of kooky thing he just said, 
I think what that means is he's going to actually mentor the dude. He's going to coach him up. He's going to teach him how to conduct himself like a pro. He's going to do everything in his power to help the Coog Hunter and prevent him from going down as one of the all-time busts, which is what he is right now. He's going to help the Jets salvage something from that second-round pick overall or second pick overall that they made him. That's where I think he was going with that. I think he was going in that direction and coming from a really good place. Listen, at 39, they're not getting Aaron Rodgers at 29. I'm not saying that. They may not even get Aaron Rodgers at 37 when he was still an MVP. I am saying this. It passed the eye test. I like what I heard. I like from the way he looks. He looked great, by the way. I like the way he looks. I like the way he sounds. And to me, what they are going to get is this. Not the 29-year-old Aaron Rodgers, not even the 37-year-old Aaron Rodgers, but the best version of this dude right now. And the best version of this guy at 39 and near 40 is better, way better than anything they've had in decades. That's a good day for him. That's a good day for them. In fact, New York is having a week, yo. Go New York, go New York, go. New York's having a great week. I thought Aaron came off great. And for those of you who are only here to hate, you're not going to like hearing that. I thought the guy came off great. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Malik Jackson is my guest. Malik, great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing well, Mr. Rome. I'm doing well. That intro was amazing. I'm going to make sure I snip that off and uh, wake up to it every morning. There you go, dude. You earned it. It is your bio. Hey, let me ask you. <laughs> the, the first round of the NFL draft is tonight in Kansas City. Hey, go back. I want to talk about your path to the pros. You were a fifth-round draft pick after your college career. How big of a chip, maybe, did having to wait as long as you did on the draft put on your shoulder, and were you able to immediately convert that to fuel and prove people wrong? What was the experience like for you? Uh, the experience was quite quite amazing. When I got drafted, they moved the first round to just one day. So, you know, I knew I had to give that day up. And then I, I just knew I was going the second day. I was getting a lot of talk about third, fourth round. Um, didn't happen. So, you know, it was a long wait. But once, once I got my name called on the third day, with the Denver Broncos, number 137. I was just ecstatic just to hear my name called, to see my name go across the ticker and see all the hard work for the past four years and really the past three months uh, come to fruition. So just excited to get the opportunity. Of course, you don't know what's next. So uh, you're pretty blind, but just happy just to get my name going across that screen. There you go. And then you go on to win a Super Bowl with the Broncos, and you played a key role in that win over the Panthers by scoring your first defensive touchdown. You recovered a Cam Newton fumble in the end zone. What was it like to come up with a play that big on such a massive stage? And what do you remember about that play? I remember. I wish I was Vaughn. I wish me and Vaughn switched, to be honest with you. Uh, but what I remember, Vaughn just got off a good rush, got the sack and the ball out. I just saw uh, Lily just jumping right there. Not the corner of my eye, I see D-Ware coming out of nowhere trying to st- steal my opportunity. So just tried to hop on it and, uh, you know, just get some points for our team. 
uh, you know, being a defensive tackle, I just wanted sacks. So I was like, man, forget this ball. I threw it in the stands and uh, tried to go out there and, and uh, just win the game. So it was a great moment. But I think I realized everything after it was done, you know, when the game was over and everybody's like, why'd you do that? So. <laughs> Millie Jackson joining us because you were in that moment. I get it. You know, since you won that ring in Denver, what do you make of the state of the Broncos right now? For instance, Sean Payton obviously is one of the most respected coaches in the game. Realistically, though, do you think that he can revive Russell Wilson? Or maybe was Russ kind of DOA dead on arrival? <laughs> Dang, <laughs> Jim. No, I think that was uh, kind of harsh, wasn't it? Could go down there. I <laughs> hey man, it's your show. Do it. Do what you got to do. But uh, I think Coach Payton can go down there. I think he has a proven track record. Um, I think Russell, um, you know, stunk it up last year, but I think he has the opportunity to, to come out there and do it again with the uh, with the new head coach. Um, you know, I, I knew Coach Hackett, so uh, you know, sucks how he had to go out. But um, this is the NFL, so um, I think he has a great opportunity in a in a, in a great um, second chance. And I just hope he takes it by the horns and and goes out there and becomes the old Russell Wilson and not what we saw last year. Malik Jackson joining us, breaking it down, 10 years in the NFL. You mentioned Hackett, so let me ask you about that. I thought that Aaron Rodgers, personally, I thought that Aaron handled himself really, really well in that intro presser with the Jets. Now, he's six years older than you. He's coming off a down season for him, but he was a league MVP only two years back. How much do you think he still has left in the tank at age 39? I think Aaron Rodgers has a lot in the tank. I think uh, when you get put in a position on a new team, that you're excited to play for, that you have guys around you. You know, he was able to set up the team with uh, some assets he wanted from Green Bay and around the league. So I think he has a lot left. Um, I train with him. I see him work every day. And um, I know he's excited for this opportunity just to prove everybody wrong. You know, I think you've seen guys like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, change teams and go out there and, and do great things. I think he's the next one up. Malik Jackson joining us. Now, you know what it takes to have a dominant defense. When you look at the Jets defensively and you see pro bowlers like Sauce Gardner, Quinton Williams, C.J. Mosley, do you think that the addition of Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the ball makes them a legitimate Super Bowl contender? What does he make them? I think he does, but I think the biggest uh, kind of blue chip card or blue chip on that team is uh, Coach Sala. You know, I knew him as well in Jacksonville, and I think what he brings to that team the hard-nosedness to be able to bring people together um, is only going to help Aaron. But I think Aaron's going to take them to the next level. I think the defense, like you said, the defense they have, um, the defensive players they have, and the things they showed last year, I think they just need somebody to go out there, put points on the board, and keep that defense on the bench for a while, and uh, they're going to be just fine. So I think Aaron's going to do great things. And I think, uh, like I said before, man, just like Peyton and just like um, Tom Brady, I think he's going to go out there and do great things for that franchise. You don't think I told him he has to wear a fur coat like Joe Namath on the first game. Dude, how cool would that be? How cool would that be, man? Joe is so far ahead of his time, <laughs> rocking the fur coat on the sideline, the white cleats, man. What a great look. That was so awesome. You know, yeah. what you just said about Robert Saul is interesting to me. Like, what wins now? If you're if you're in the NFL right now and you're talking to a new breed of athlete, are you looking for a guy that communicates well, that builds relationships, that motivates? What makes Sala different in that regard? I think he treats everybody fair, but not the same. And I think once you can go in there and, and kind of have that etiquette and that that speech with everybody to understand, hey, you know, you get treated with respect, you know, you get treated fairly, but but not the same as Aaron Rodgers. You know, people get treated differently. And I think um, unless you work hard, and I think Coach Sala just brings a lot of people, a lot of good things out of people. Like I said, he was my linebacker coach in Jacksonville. So to see him coach guys like Puzz, Puzz, uh, Miles Jack, just get the best out of them. Uh, I think he's really the, the wild card on this team, and he's really going to take them far now that he has a, 
a quarterback and a, and a set defense behind him, uh, I think it's going to be great things. Malik Jackson talking football with us. Now, he played in Philly, too, for a couple of years, and you know that fan base. You know what they're all about. But what's it say about Jalen Hurts that he comes to town as a second-round pick? You've got all these people saying, the hell did they do that for? Why did they take that guy? We don't need that guy. And what does he do? He shows up. He helps to transform that franchise into a Super Bowl and signs a massive new contract. In other words, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever seen a dude come that far, that fast, with that much scrutiny, and change the trajectory of not only himself but an entire franchise. Like, What do you think when you see him and what he's done there? Uh, first, I have to say congratulations, uh, Jalen, man. He 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 uh he came there and did it big. I saw the kid when he first came in, real humble, um, quiet. Uh, just really just wanted to work and get his opportunity to be able to sit down, sit down uh, behind Nate uh, Sudfeld and then uh, Carson Wentz. You know, learn the system, see what see what needs to go on, be able to uh, learn the NFL. I think really helped him. And once he got his opportunity, man, <laughs> we see what he did in, in two years of starting. So I think he's a great kid. I think he's a new quarterback. Um, I think the new age quarterback and, and he's only the sky's the limit for him. Uh, just so proud for him and everything he's done. And, uh, you know, keep going, Jalen. I mean, that, that dude has earned everything. He's had to work for everything. He has earned everything. Since we're talking quarterbacks, what do you make of Lamar Jackson's situation right now? Like, are you surprised that nobody has been interested in signing him to an offer sheet as a restricted free agent? What do you make of that entire situation? Um, since I'm not in the NFL anymore, I, was, I, I think they're kind of uh, they're kind of uh, blackballing him. To be honest with you, I think that's a man that has shown and proven day in and day out that he is one of the best quarterbacks. To take Jalen out. I think he is one of the best, the best quarterback in the league right now. Um, I don't know what else he needs to show. Uh, he gave you everything, and uh, made a smart decision not to play because uh, you saw what happened to RG three when he tried to do that. So I don't know what the NFL is thinking. I don't know what the Ravens are thinking. He is the quarterback, y'all, of the NFL. So. I think he's being blackballed and it's sad to see when somebody goes out there and gives their heart and uh, puts in their hard work every week, day in, day out, gives you his whole body. And, uh, you know, you don't want to pay him what he's deserved. So uh, it sucks to see. So why do you think they're blackballing him? What's the point behind that? Why, why, why have they singled him out that way? And why do you think he's being blackballed? I mean, I don't know. The, I don't know the money he's asking for. I don't know the terms he's asking for. But for me, when you got guys like that, man, you have to offer them everything they want. Throw the house at them. You know, I know just comparably, we saw Matt uh, Ryan Tannehill get uh, what a hundred million, and nowhere near the quarterback as a uh, as a uh, Mr. Jackson. So I'm not really understand that. I don't. I don't know the ins and outs. But just to see guys getting deals that aren't as good as him uh, doesn't make any sense. So it doesn't. To me, it doesn't matter what's happening. You need to pay that man what he deserved. So. This sucks to see. All right. So, you know, you just made the point. I'm not in the NFL anymore. Let me ask you this. I mean, you list yourself on your Instagram profile as a girl dad. So I know you're enjoying your time with your family, but you've only been out of the league for one year. What is your mindset? I mean, have you played your last down or are you staying ready in the event that somebody needs help? No, nah, I've, I've played my last down, Jim. I'm, I'm done, man. I'm enjoying being home, being a dad. Um, you know, the last few years, they want you to kind of cultivate the younger guys. And, and my last year in uh, Cleveland, I was just like, man, I need to go home and raise my daughter and makes, do what makes me happy. So, you know, I've given everything I've got um, to the league. And, uh, you know, it's been a great experience. But now it's time to look to what's next and be able to grow as a, as a person. Respect. So, Respect. Yeah. I get that. And then, you know, what? it sounds like you got to go out on your own terms and that you're at peace with that. That's always a hard thing to do. So what is next? I mean, clearly we're having this conversation. So I know you could do this. I know you're good at this. What are some things that you're looking to do now that you're done playing? 
Well, I'm, as you can find out, I'm, I'm a novelist and everything. I don't know how to do, I barely, I type like this. So uh, that's one of those things I want to go back to uh, business school, uh, we'll go back to school, learn how to just type, how to be a, a man of business and um, just, just learn some skills that can help me in the real world, you know? Um, so that, that's really where I'm at now. Um, learn about real estate, learn about just other opportunities, the way I can use the um, assets that I was able to earn in the NFL and just, uh, you know, not be one of those negative statistics. <laughs> that's really that's really what it is. I, I like it. I get it. He is a guy who played, played 10 years in the NFL. I mentioned the 137th pick overall, but won a Super Bowl, was a pro bowler. On to the next thing, Malik Jackson, my guest. My man, it's great to get caught up with you. You sound great. You look great. I appreciate the conversation. I know we will do it again. Always a good time with you, Mr. Rome, man. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I keep ca- passing Calabasas and I think about you, man. So I'll hold it down for you while you're on the East my Coast. Oh, man, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm still here now. I'm in 949, but we have to rep 818 for life. We have to, right? No matter where we are. We, we have to. Let's do this. Clones, not all beef jerky is the same. Old Trappers, original old-fashioned teriyaki, hot and spicy, and peppered all come in four-ounce bags. That way you can sample all the different flavors to find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper with your beef. I will even start you off with a beef. In fact, I have two. Beef number one, idiots who show up at Starbucks at 5 o'clock in the morning and leave their cars running. Hey, I understand. You already pre-ordered your coffee. You're going to go in. You're going to pick it up. You're going to come back out. If you do something like that to me, you're the laziest person ever, the dumbest person ever, or you want that car ripped so you can cash in on the insurance. How do you leave your car running? I don't get that. I've never get that. I've never understood that. I mean, and I see it pretty often. Second thing I've got to beef with, going online to look at a menu for a restaurant and deciding to go to that restaurant because of their online menu only to get into said restaurant and none of that stuff's on their menu. Change the bleeping menu. I would have never gone to your restaurant if I had known that those 10 items were not part of the menu. What are you doing with that? All right, there you go. A couple of beefs. Womey womey. That's how he wrote this. My beef is with dudes wearing their NFL jerseys on draft day. These are the same guys that treat preseason games like the Super Bowl itself. Andrew in PHX. Me? I'm Womey Wom. This, This says my beef is with any woman that carries her cash in her, quote, chest area. I work in a grocery store, and us cashiers do not want to handle that cash at all. It's almost summertime. Need I say anything else? Just stop it already. Signed, quote, Joe in Louisiana, not using my real name for potential job protection reasons. (laughs) Dude. Hey, Jim, my beef is with restaurants that don't list their beer selections anywhere to be seen. There are volumes of vineyard and $26 specialty drink offerings posted on that drink menu, but no suds list. I resort to pop quizzing the server and focusing as 63 options are recited from a three-ring binder. How about running off a copy for the rest of us? I'd love to see it. (laughs) Love Tim in Clifton Park, New York. Jim, hello. My beef is something you're probably familiar with. It's with my dumb ass cats. 
98% of my house is uncarpeted with hard flooring, yet they will indefinitely find a bathroom rug or the one and the only other rug in the house to empty their stomach on. Come on, cats, and help the guy that feeds you and gives you shelter and barf on the hardwood flooring. Scott Milton nailed it. It's so true. The cats will always find the rug, the carpet. There's plenty of stone and wood and tile. They're not going there. You know why? Because when they do that, they're pissed. So if they're going to piss you off, they're going to yank or puke or diarrhea on the rug. They know. Man, they're smarter than they look. At Willy Will 5, quote, My beef is when I am watching a show and my wife starts asking me questions and talking while I'm trying to watch. If she wanted to watch the show, she should have paid attention at the start. Hashtag beef. Dear Jim, my beef is with dogs, especially large dogs. They immediately come up to you making aggressive sexual advances. The owner generally does nothing. And if you try to shoo them away, you are the bad guy. At least buy me dinner. At least buy me dinner first before you sexually assault me. You're told, well, that that's just what dogs do. Your old man was right. All dogs deserve the lead treatment. The lead treatment. Oh, my dad, you mean. I'm I'm still laughing at the least that dog can do is buy me dinner before he sexually assaults me. My beef is with these lazy, dirty bags that have to roll down their window and toss their trash out their car instead of waiting to where they're going, knowing damn good and well that there's a trash can there. Phil and Indy, that, that, that to me is just a universal beef. If you roll down your window and you throw your fast food bag or your coffee cup or anything out the window, you're a bag. You're a bad person. You're, just, you're a straight up bag. There's no excuse for it. No respect, not for yourself, not for the environment, not for anything. And I'm not going to go all green on your ass, but that, that is really lazy. That's some low-rent scumbaggery right there. I agree. Hey, Jim, my beef is with reheated beef. Hey, idiots, it's not the greatest hit segment. If you've heard of beef on this segment, then don't repeat the same damn beef. Get your own beef, losers. Wesley, near Boise. This is from At Work Sucks Book. Hey, Roe MG. Got a big side of nasty beef with the love of my life, pain in the neck wife who demands I wash paper plates if there's anything less than a nuclear mess on them as a money-saving measure. Paper plates were born to toss and end dishwashing. Come on, baby. At Mets Bets, Jimmy, my beef is with the lady in the office who is in her 30s and uses the phrase, oh, my stars. What, G. Willikers is too dated for you? Go ahead and get that curly pink hairdo that that 90-year-old's rock and start crocheting. Hey, Jim, my beef is with my new golf clubs. I still suck. Best, Will and Erie, forever in the rough. Well done. 
So try the phones. See how the phone beefs are. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to San Francisco, George. Good to have you, George. What's your beef? Hey, Ron. Thanks for the vine. My beef with the Draymond haters. Learn how to appreciate greatness. Cowtown thought they were gangsta until he started hitting threes. Dropped 21-7-4 and, and got the W on the bum team. Er, I mean, bean team. So when it comes to questioning Draymond, shut up. He's got the hardware that backs it. And the clowns can keep calling in with their dumb ass takes. But you can't deny four rings. Or the Larry O'Brien trophy going through Frisco. I'm out. Two things. Number one, that was vintage Draymond last night. Number two, Steve Kerr says it all the time. He may do some things that are not in the best interest of either here or the team, but we don't have those rings without Draymond Green. Steve Kerr is really clear about that. We do not have rings without Draymond. I agree. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Phoenix. Andrew. Andrew, what's your beef? Hey, thanks for the buying, Rome. Hey, I understand we all like to get baked every 24-7, but, man, can we take a couple hours off at the kids' football practice? Peace, brother. Peace. He's got a beef with people getting baked at the kids' practice. Yeah, but, okay, I'm not saying you're wrong, but have you investigated what's in the thermos of everybody who's at that practice? I bet it's not all water. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Riverside. Steven, good to have you. What's your beef? Hey, Angel Jim. My beef is with uh, when I go into work and I just see that one coworker. They don't have to do anything, but their face just pisses me off. Or Jimmy (laughs) Sorry about your war. Not really. So you've got a coworker who's got a punchable face. Every office has one. 1-800-636-8686. 1-800-636-8686. This is the beef segment. We do it once a week. Let's go to Santa Maria. Brighton. Good to have you. What is your beef? Hey, Rome. Hey, Rome. My beef is um, with these fourth graders and Jungle Tourette's. They came into my restaurant, and um, I was doing a competition with them, and I gave them away a cookie. Then they asked with um, what did they get for second place, I told them a set of steak knives, and they said, what do we get for third? I said, even less. War, Warriors in six, I'm out. Actually, the way the answer goes is, what do you get for first place? Five grand. What do you get for second place? Nothing. What do you get for third place? Even less. That's the reaction. That would have qualified as jungle Tourette's, but you got that. You butchered it. We don't get... If you call in during the smack off and you win, you get five grand. If you're runner-up, you do not get a set of steak knives. That's the whole point. Winner take all. You don't get jack. And if you come in third, you get even less than jack. Come on now. Let's go to Houston. George in Houston. George, what's your beef? What's going on, Rome? What's up, dude? Hey, man, my beef with the old lady, man. Her and her friends want to come over on Friday night and play cards, man. They downstairs getting drunk. That's my only day off. And then she got this friend named Deborah. She started getting hot and stuff, talking about the air conditioner. She threw a wig on the floor. The dogs go crazy, and everything's just out of hack. Look here, wifey. Friday, y'all got to find another place to play cards, player. Rack, my dude, George. I feel you, dude. 
Rackham. That's a tough story. Rackham. Far and away the best call yet. It's Friday, man. It's his only day off. Do y'all got to play cards on Friday? On his only day off? And then when they come over, they complain about how hot it is. You know how much it costs to run the air these days? Nice job. Well done. Let's go to Ed in San Antonio. Ed, what is your beef this week? Hi, Jim. Yeah, my beef is stripper glitter. You know, I'm just trying to get an innocuous-friendly thigh massage from a local uh, lap technician, and I end up looking like I got in a wrestling match with Tinkerbell. Yeah, good luck trying to explain to my girlfriend that I was mailing out Christmas cards in April. No sandwich for me. <laughs> You're right, dude. No no, nothing for you, bro. No sandwich, no watch list. You didn't get racked. Nothing. Nothing, man. He's got a beef against stripper glitter. Hey, bro, you know how you prevent stripper glitter? You don't get anywhere near a stripper. And then their glitter won't get on you, and then you won't have to explain it to the girlfriend. Bam, you're welcome. Problem solved, Edward. Let's go to Ben in Driftwood. Ben, good to have you. What's your beef? Hey, Rome, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. You got it. My beef is with Tom Brady having the audacity to come in the broadcasting game as the highest-paid sports broadcaster. It makes no sense whatsoever. He is basically the Deshaun Watson of sports broadcasting. He's even sitting out a year, a la Zion. And meanwhile, you have yourself, who's been in the game for years, and you're equivalent to Lamar Jackson. So um, that's all I got. It just Tom Brady. Ah. That's not a good call. No. Why, Alvin? I don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a Why, Alvin? Alvin's like, dude, it was just a frustrating call, so I had to put him out of his misery. It was too long. It wasn't funny. It didn't make sense. It was frustrating. It's the end of the segment. Did I'm Deshaun Watson, or he's Deshaun Watson. I'm Lamar Jackson. Tony Romo's Tony Romo. Al Michaels is Al Michaels. Ben is getting run. John, brother, what's going on? How are you? Wish I could be better, Jimmy. Um... Yeah, yeah, I'm a passionate guy, and I had your back, and I still have your back. Why? Because you bring it. You give me something in return for my loyalty. I can't say the same for freaking Seatown Sports. You know, Giannis says that there's no failure in sports. Well, he's obviously never been to my hometown. I mean, it's not just the birthplace of rock and roll. It's the birthplace of overrated, underachieving teams from the Browns in the 80s to the Tribe in 97 and 16, and now the freaking Cadavers at 23. You guys didn't show up. You didn't, merely didn't mail it in. You didn't even put a post-it stamp on it. This was a pathetic performance. I don't want to hear about, oh, the aura of Madison Square Garden must have intimidated this young team. I mean, do I need to get the Gene Hackman clip from Hoosiers? Get the tape, put it on the floor, run it up to the hoop. It's a basketball court. You guys acted like you never saw it before. I got two seven-footers out there who played 40 minutes on Friday and collected 16 rebounds. Rebounds are about effort, Jimmy. It's about getting your ass where it needs to be, out hustling your opponent, and showing that you want it more. You didn't want it more. And going back to the garden, every time the camera scanned a bunch of D-list, uh, overrated you know, celebrities who couldn't get 10 minutes on the view, that's what intimidated you. And you didn't just do it at the garden. You did it at home. You puked yourself 
at home. It's disgusting. I'm, I'm more ticked off than a midget with a yo-yo. I mean, this team can't get it right. Bickerstaff doesn't know how to handle a rotation. You brought in Danny Green at the end of the year, a known three-point assassin. The only game you won in game two, he lit it up, which caused the Knicks to cover him, opened up the lane for Darius Garland. Then what did Bickerstaff do? Made him disappear. I mean, you might as well just hold your practices in the county more because you're coaching a bunch of stiffs. I've had it. This team totally let the city down. The city deserves so much more. And I, I just, I've just had it, Jimmy. I appreciate the Vine event because, again, this town needs more, and I don't even know where to begin or where to end. But it has to end at some point. At some point, this town deserves a team to rally around who's actually going to play with blood and guts because that town, as you know, Jimmy, is made up of blood and guts and people who will leave it on the floor. And what do we get in return from our sports teams? Nothing. And I've had it. My man, John in Seatown. He is Jeff in Richmond. Jeff, what's up? Jim, thanks for the vine. And thanks for the time. And, Jim, let me say for the record, Jim, that no one in the history of this industry can move the needle. No one, Jim, in the history of this great industry, Jim, can elevate the conversation. And most importantly, Jim, no one in the history of this industry can positively impact your bottom line, Jim, better, Jim, than the dirtiest player in the game, Jim. Jeff from Richmond. Jim, if you'll indulge me for a brief moment, I want to share something, Jim, that's fairly personal today. And also, Jim, I want to sincerely and profoundly, Jim, sincerely and profoundly apologize to you, Jim, for being unable to participate in last year's Great American Smack-Off number 28, Jim. Jim, 38 years ago, 38 years ago, Jim, the dirtiest player in the game, Jeff from Richmond, made a decision to bet on himself. 38 years ago, Jim, Jeff from Richmond had a dream. Jeff from Richmond had a goal. Jeff from Richmond had a vision. Jim, that vision was to build a state-of-the-art asset management firm right here, Jim, in the great Commonwealth of Virginia, Jim, the 804. 38 years later, Jim, here we are, Jim. Here the we are. Jim, the bottom line is this. At times, Jim, at times, my professional responsibilities preclude me, Jim, preclude me from participating in the great American smack-off. Clones, what preclude means is Never mind, clones. Jim, make no mistake, Jim. Our program is better when Jeff from Richmond is in the mix. Our brand, Jim, the brand we have built together the last 25 years is stronger when Jeff from Richmond shows up and shows out. The bottom line is this, Jim. As a made guy, Jim, with a 25-year chip in this here jungle, I've established myself, Jim, not just as a caller, Jim, but as a sports entertainer, and trust me, Jim, the difference between Jeff from Richmond and all these other nameless gray faces across a fruited plain, Jim, and I want you to remember this key statement, Jim. Clones, pull out your crayons, write this down. Jim, Jeff from Richmond doesn't dream at night when he's asleep. Jeff from Richmond dreams when he's awake I believe in my heart, Jim, that I'm the best there is. 
I'm the best there was, Jim, and I'm the best that there ever will be. And, Jim, this year, this year I will bring the most coveted prize in this industry back to its rightful home, Jim, the great Commonwealth of Virginia. Jim, the only thing I humbly ask of you in return is this, whether we get to smack off 30, smack off 40, or smack off 50, Jim, in the end, all I want you to do is this, Jim. Acknowledge me. Jim, let me close by asking you and the morally bankrupt clones this rhetorical question, Jim. Who wants to walk with Jeff from Richmond? Jim, thank you for your time. Aloha means goodbye. War Commonwealth of Virginia. War number 46, Joe from Scranton saying things like, why should I buy bottled water when I can get all the water I want right out of the faucet for free? War Brian Weber in his extremely thick haunches and lower half. War Rome and that kook Woody taking a pontoon boat ride down Eagle River and wearing matching sailor suits and matching captain's hats and doing aggressive tandem military salutes to all the neighbors as they troll by. War Logan Roman Paulo finishing a workout in the garage and Paulo saying something profound to Mr. Rome like, Mr. Rome, I realize I can't change my reality until I change my mentality. War Josh McDaniel leading the Raider Nation forward without the Knicks and cuts of a blade. And until next time, Jim, good night now. So you're probably wondering, my man, you're probably wondering why I let him go as long as I did. Good night now.